The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. What's going on, everybody? Monday, August 28th. It is 5.30, and we are here to preview the Old Dominion game. I am joined by the Ken Pomeroy of Virginia Tech and college football in general, Sam Jesse. Sam, I, I just give an elevator pitch. Really, you did a fantastic job for those who missed it. Uh, he joined Monday Football this morning with Pete, v, Pete B. live on the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel uh, and talked a little bit about a new way at looking at the top 25 and uh, some metrics for football. So just give us the elevator pitch on what you created and uh, what you're working on. Yeah, so the elevator pitch would be it's a power ranking system that doesn't reinvent the wheel at all, but just kind of accounts for a little bit of the things that make college football special. Uh, Recruiting, home field advantage, and just kind of thinking about it as a program stance, not just the teams for 2023. You can check out his initial rankings on sonsofsaturday.com. That article just came out. And Sam, also on the course of important news, you are now heading up our content going out on the website. So what can people expect this fall? Well, they can expect a lot of daily content, which is a, you know, a great step in the right direction for us, but also everything from game previews to the statistical reviews uh, around the ACC. We'll also be looking at uh, Hokies in the NFL, of course. So Kind of your, you know, your tried and true articles, but a little bit of new stuff here and there as well. We'll also be having a new video segment on all of our socials called Behind Enemy Lines that I will be heading, where we talk to similar minded fans and reporters like ourselves for the other schools that we're talking that we are uh, going up against. So I'll record with the Monarchists from Old Dominion here in a couple of days. We'll talk everything from their favorite bars in Norfolk to, you know, previewing the game of the season. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's jump into the Old Dominion preview. Look, game one, opening the season at night under the lights in Blacksburg, ACC Network game of the week, prime time. And we're playing ODU. We are playing Old Dominion, who has been the the stone in your shoe. It's actually worse than the stone in your shoe. Um, but we'll get into the historical um, the hokey history here soon. We're going to start off with a hokey haiku that came from our guy, Pete McGee. Night Lane Stadium, not this time, Old Dominion. Tech takes back the crown. Hokey history. These Can I just teams, say real quick, that's one yes. of my favorite haikus. Very well done, very succinct. Very succinct. Uh, Hokies take back the crown from the Monarchs. That's well, a good right. little shot there. Like, I, really well done, Pete. Very well done. Pete always does a great job with the haikus. I actually haven't met a Pete I don't like. So Pete McGee is in the uh, is in the Pete. I love Pete crew. Hokey history. These teams have met four times. Each team has two wins in the four games, and a team has never lost at home. 2017, 38 to nothing. Virginia Tech won in Blacksburg. 2018, absolute utter disaster. 49 to 35. Old Dominion wins at Old Dominion. Josh Jackson broke his leg. Uh, and upon his broken leg was a broken season for the 2018 Virginia Tech Hokies. 2019, we bounced back 17-31 to 31 in Blacksburg in the Eric Kuma, Chris Cunningham return to Blacksburg. And then in 2022, just an ugly game, 20-17, uh, to 17, snapping the ball over the, over the kicker's head, turnovers, penalties, getting stuck in elevators, um, after the game field gets stormed, you have an altercation on the field. It, it, it has just been, if, if you are a regular in the locker room, Oh, 
and stuff stolen yeah. from the locker room. That's true yeah. too. If you are just a fan of college football and you don't give a flip about Virginia Tech at all, it, it's been one of the more entertaining sickos games that go down basically every single year. So um, that's essentially it. Do you have any other points on the hokey history stuff? I mean, it's 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 not a happy story. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because Old Dominion is a relatively new FBS program. And I don't know of another newer FBS program that has an in-state team's number. I would say maybe Appalachian State has played really well against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it's it's quite shocking to split this two and two. Uh, but in the two wins that Virginia Tech has had, they've been pretty convincing, outscoring them 69 to 17 in those two. So hopefully the Hokies can add to that tally at home. Yeah, I'm, if you try to think about it in a in a standpoint of like comparing it to other stuff, I don't remember Sam. You'll remember this. I know Louisiana Lafayette beat Florida State once. Did they also beat LSU? Or they played LSU really closely, like once. I'm I'm sure they have beaten LSU before. Um, yeah, I, I just like at the end of Les Miles tenure or something uh, like I know that. Jacksonville I don't know. State has a win against Florida State recently. I just. This mm-hmm. it doesn't happen a lot, dude. It it does no. not happen with the in-state. You'll usually see one weird one here and there, but to have an in-state opponent that plays at a lower level play this well against the 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 head honchos of the state is, is pretty rare. My guess is the closest thing would be like Marshall versus West Virginia back in like mm-hmm. the nineties, early two thousands. Yep. So that's what we're working with. We're gonna dive into the lines. This is probably not even accurate anymore. Do you know what the current line is? When I took this down, it was uh, it was minus 15 and a half. And this give us the line and tell us what's going on. It's been all over the place. Yeah. So this has been an interesting one. The line is currently uh, the aggregate line. So across a bunch of different sports books at 15 and a half with the over under at 49 and a half. So the Hokies opened up as 13 point favorites. That line is now 15 and a half point favorites. And a lot of that movement's happened in the last couple of weeks. So you're seeing, you know, the market or a lot of betters moving towards Virginia Tech. Um, and that could be for a few different reasons that they move that line. It could be, you know, news of uh, Hokies retaining Grant Wells as a starter gives them a little bit more confidence to like the Hokies. Could also be they just took a lot of liability for Virginia Tech. Could be either one of those things. Probably a combination of both. Uh, the game total for 49 and a half has stayed pretty consistent around that area. And if you go to look at score predictions for this one, which we'll get to at the end, uh, 49 and a half is probably right. Oh, uh, Billy Ray, you're, you're on mute. Excuse me. Yeah. But I, I will, I will point out also according to action network, 92% mm-hmm. of bets are on the Hokies. That's a pretty massive number. Uh, Betting against the market doesn't always work when over 90% of the market does bet on the Hokies. So I think that's a that's a good sign for Virginia Tech. As far as storylines go, um, there are plenty, and there have been plenty every single year we've played this game. Uh, the ones that stand out to me are, number one, the Monarchs have made... You cannot undersell this. The Monarchs have made Virginia Tech the laughingstock of the country for a week's time twice in the last decade. Last half decade, excuse me. Um, it, it, I can't, it, you'd be really hard pressed to find one team that has caused this much, has caused an in-state rival this much angst in this short period of time. Um, Virginia Tech's number one receiver this year, Ollie Jennings came over in the transfer portal last year from old dominion. I didn't know this until I looked up his, uh, career stats. He started at West Virginia, transferred to old dominion. He's now at Virginia Tech. Against uh, against Virginia Tech specifically last year, he had five catches for 122 yards. His year last year at Old Dominion, he had 54 receptions, nine touchdowns, 959 yards. And shout out Andre Davis, 17.8 yards per catch. Uh, really, really up there in the making a big play department. Um, other than that, any other, any other storylines? Um, those are the two that stand out. Not many other... It's not like two years ago where you know you have multiple members on ODU's team who are coming back to Virginia Tech. Um, but any other storylines worth pointing out? You know, I think it's just Virginia Tech has a really good ch- uh, opportunity to 
have this be a little bit more of a public declaration that they've righted the ship, right? Last year, after the ODU loss, they had a night game on ACC Network against Boston College, performed very well, maybe the best game Tech played all year. Kind of the same situation here, home game at night on ACC Network. Um, Not a lot of teams get that opportunity week one uh, that are in Virginia Tech spot, so hopefully they can take advantage of that. I think that is kind of the the national storyline uh, for this game. And moving on over to the offense, Old Dominion runs the spread option. In terms of what, if you want a detailed breakdown on the offense every single week, Rob Trimber did this last year. So every single Tuesday, he is going to be putting out an article basically going through ex- exactly from a scheme standpoint what the offense looks like. Uh, so keep an eye out for that on sonsofsaturday.com. But Sam, give us the advanced scout on the Old Dominion offense? Well, that's a really difficult question because there's a lot of newness on ODU's offense. So they're going to be replacing starting quarterback Hayden Wolf, who transferred to Western Michigan, starting running back Blake Watson, who transferred to Memphis, and the aforementioned Ali Jennings, a starting wide receiver who is with the Hokies. So that's a lot to to lose. They lose a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard wide receiver, and a 3,000-yard quarterback. Uh, but they do have a lot of newness as well, including offensive coordinator. Uh, Kevin Decker comes from Fordham. And w- what's interesting about Kevin Decker is he had a really good offense in Fordham. Another guy who had a really good offense in Fordham was Hokies offensive coordinator, Tyler Bowen. So uh, that's a little bit of, uh, of interest there. Brought over the Fordham backup quarterback, Grant Wilson, who won the starting job for Old Dominion. So the starting quarterback, Grant Wilson for Old Dominion, Uh, Has not started a game in college at the FCS level. He does have about 13 pass attempts. So a lot of inexperience on on the ODU offense. One guy that they did bring in that I think could be a guy to key in on for the Virginia Tech offense is running back Kadarius Calloway. If you're a recruiting head and remember his name, he was a really highly touted recruit out of Mississippi, a top 30 athlete, number two recruit in the state of Mississippi in 2021 signed to Bama as a defensive back, but really left pretty early under some, some weird circumstances. Um, mostly I think he just didn't want to play defensive back. And then he uh, transferred to East Mississippi community college of last chance. U fame uh, was just a really explosive running back. Um, from all I could tell from scouting reports is he's not a great vision runner. He's not a uh, power back by any means. He's just a really, really darn good athlete. And I think that's really the only guy on this offense that scares me just from his athleticism standpoint is on par with anything Virginia Tech can bring to the other side of the ball. And flipping gears over to their defense, Sam, uh, talk to me a little bit about their defense as well. Yeah, the thing about their defense is Hokie fans will kind of, <laughs> it, it really killed Tech last year. And one of the reasons they run a 4-2-5 defense, very similar to what Bud Foster ran. And the whole point of a 4-2-5 is to get a lot of speed and athleticism on the field and also to help kind of defend against a pass-happy league that is the Sun Belt. Ironically, they weren't really good against the pass. They were 95th in expected points added per pass last year on defense, while being 33rd in expected points added in rush. That's a pretty big difference. They were a much better rush defense than they were a pass defense. And the number one reason is what I think could be all-American linebacker again, Jason Henderson, led the nation in tackles last year with 179. Uh, the only linebacker in college football history to have more ta- – or modern college football history to have more tackles than that is Luke Keekley, one of his years at Boston College. Uh, the number two tackler in the country had only 148. So it's a pretty, pretty big tackling machine. He had 18 total tackles versus the Hokies last year. 18. Uh, That's a career day. So he's kind of the linchpin of this defense. Outside of him, there's not a ton of star power. Um, They did reshuffle the defensive line a bit, moving some guys, defensive end, defensive tackle, bringing in transfers, yada, yada, all that. They lost two starting cornerbacks and they're starting free safety. So they do have some newness on the defensive back as well. So uh, I I don't know if you want to interject on this, but Jason Henderson is – We'll talk about this in our keys to the game, but it does kind of seem like if you if you run away from him, 
you might be in a pretty good spot because anytime you run towards this guy or in the vicinity of this guy, you're pretty confident he's going to make the tackle. He's going to make the play. No, I think um, one of the biggest things that I'm looking for out of this team all year is to understand exactly what our identity is. And again, this is one of those unique chances where you have an offensive line that's you have some guys playing in positions that they're not familiar with. You have some guys playing that have never played before. You're introducing a ton of new backs. We're not really in a position to ever call a game a get right game. We're just not as a program right now. Um, but this is a unique opportunity. Like you said, a defense that's prepared to stop the pass. We have a bunch of talented backs and we have talented guys up front. If we're able to stay healthy, if we can get some sort of chemistry, get some sort of mojo, this is a great opportunity to do it at night at lane stadium. Now the flip side of that is you have a really, really ugly, ugly turnout at night under the lights in lane stadium on national television. It's going to be not a great look, but to me, that's what I'm looking for is, establishing dominance, establishing chemistry. We had no chemistry all year last year. And this is a perfect, perfect opportunity without playing one of those. Um, I always mix up with uh, not group of five, but you're not playing any of those FCS opponents this year. Mm-hmm. This is by far the easiest game on the schedule, except for UVA. And if you're still working on establishing your chemistry, when you get to UVA, then we got another probably had a pretty poor season. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, look, I, I think there's the way ODU's defense is set up, like you should be able to run on them. Some teams were a little bit last year, but their defensive backs just weren't very good. And they also don't get a ton in pass rush, um, at least against the Hokies. They didn't. So they had 31 sacks last season, which is is pretty ab- above average, middle of the road, pretty good. Uh, but they're only returning 11 and a half of those sacks. So they did lose some quarterback rush production. And against the Hokies, it wasn't really an issue because they didn't, really go for it too much their kind of game plan was hey we're gonna set back use five dbs make grant wells in his first game in this system read the field obviously with four interceptions that didn't go too well they only had one sack and two quarterback hurries versus the Hokies last season um we'll see if they kind of change their strategy with rushing the passer in this game i think that'll be interesting and one of the strategic keys to this game is is if deep if odu plays a similar defensive style. How have the Hokies grown in their ability to read a defense that drops everybody back? Looking at special teams, we already alluded to it. Don't snap the ball over the punter's head or the holder's head. Um, do you know, so I just looked this up um, on our lads because it's. It, I always go there. Do you know who's returning punts for Old Dominion? Are we going to see uh, Kadarius back there from an athlete's perspective or do they have somebody else that normally that normally does it? I'm looking right now. It looks like their punt returner is Isaiah Page and uh, their kick returner is James Lemarian Jr. Um, again, I think I think when you play a team like this, and this is year two of Coach Pry, and, and I always bring this up when we talk about special teams because I think it's the area that it's most evident. This is where you see how athletic your team is on special teams. How big is the disparity? Because when you watch Alabama play and you watch Georgia play, a lot of people say, well, the biggest difference is up front. Another place where the biggest difference is is on special teams because the profile of athlete that you have who's the second string cornerback, the third string linebacker, the second string safety, those are the guys that are playing on special teams. So uh, I'm hoping that not only we're able to control the line of scrimmage, but we're able to – control the the other third of the game special teams as well yeah and look you know you know for playing the game you know you maybe can't win many games on special teams but you sure can lose games on special teams and i think last year virginia tech kind of lost this game on special teams um you know in the nc state game they had trouble on special teams on, on kickoff return that cost them so i think it, it kind of goes to just playing clean football being more disciplined and like you alluded to having more guys who you can put out in the game that can do their job. You don't have to be the greatest football player of all time to be a gunner on special teams or to, to block well, or to just not commit a holding penalty on a kickoff return. You know, you just have to do your job. And I think that would be a really, if you're looking for a more in-depth way to see how the program has grown in year two, it's solid special teams. We don't need Tucker Holloway to take seven touchdowns back to the house. We just need to be solid. Keys to the game. I'm going to give mine because you've done uh, more research on this than I have. But really, what this boils down to is a couple of things. 
I need to see a disciplined football team. I need to see a, a football team that is not getting pre-snap penalties. I, I know it's the first game of the season. We're going we're gonna to see some of that stuff, but there needs to be an improvement from last year. Alignment, assignment, um, even down to like getting the play calls in, timeout management. Like that is what I'm looking at all football season, and everybody's going to be looking for it. And we've had all offseason to prepare for it. We got the same quarterback we had last year, got the same quarter coordinators we had last year, kind of with Coach Marv having responsibilities, but this will be his second game calling the plays on defense. So that's important to me. And then establishing the run winning up front. It has been, we've had flashes in games. It's actually funny. <laughs> the flashes of dominance up front that we have seen have come at the beginning of the season. In 2021, we absolutely, I thought we were going to have a hundred sacks in 2021 after we played Sam Howe and Amari Barno ran wild. And then you had the home opener uh, last year where, um, where Taiwan Garbutt had a, a whole bunch of sacks. I think we had six as a team and I need to see us dominate up front. You are more athletic than they are. You are bigger than they are up front. And um, pin your ears back and let's make it happen. So those are, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them keys as much as I would say it's just kind of on the checklist of things that I'm most excited to see. Yeah, and I think another thing in terms of pass rush is, you know, it's it's good enough to get one or two sacks, but I think having it be constantly in the quarterback's mind is a huge part of it as well. And I think similar on the side when you say establish the run, doesn't mean you have to run the ball every play. Doesn't mean you have to be a power formation. It means the defense needs to think that you can run the ball well, especially against the defensive formation Old Dominion has. If you can make them think that you have to run the ball, that can really mess with the psyche of a defense that's built to defend the pass a little bit more. So, you know, being able to to own the line of scrimmage is something we haven't seen the Hokies do in quite some time. Would love to see at least a step in the right direction in this game. As far as score predictions go, I tried to pull up really quickly what the, uh, what the turnover margin was for the game last year. I mean, this is just a, a hideous box score to look at from last year. Um, Don't torture teams, yourself too much. Yeah. I'm not even, yeah, you're right. Um, Oh. It was bad. It was 100 plus yards of yeah. penalties. 100 plus yards of penalties, five turnovers to two for Old Dominion. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, like you said, this is a tremendous opportunity to, on national television, play a down opponent. ACC Network, please bring the correct cameras. Uh, that's one more uh, wish that I do have. Um, but uh, no, I'm excited. I think. I think this is, you know, a tremendous opportunity to get back and a tremendous opportunity to get some mojo. Um, please do not. Do not fumble this bag. Uh, Sam, what is, uh, what is your score prediction? Well, I'll, I'll cover my two keys real quick. We talked about fundamentals. Uh, this one key I learned from uh, kind of from actually playing volleyball. Uh, the high school I played at was really good. We were one of the best in the state. Um, and I was playing at Virginia Tech. We were really good. And you know, we were kind of better than most opponents that we played. So we kind of knew if we just play our game and we play fast and we play to win, you're going to win the game. Shout out to, to coach pond of, of deeper in high school, 2020, uh, 2023 USA volleyball juniors coach of the year. So congrats coach pond, um, had to give him a shout out. But if you go out there and you play fast and not just fast physically, but fast mentally, and you play hard and you play to win the game, not to just get the game over with and not lose, you're usually going to take care of every opponent that's less talented than you. And I think that's something the Hokies didn't do a very good job of last year. They need to do that in this game. They need to play fast, play hard, play to win. And my second key, we talked about Henderson. If you scheme away from him in the run game, you're probably okay. But attack him in the passing game. He only has a 50.7 PFF coverage grade from last season. Uh, versus an almost 87 rush defense grade. That's a huge discrepancy. Last year, opponents were 31 of 37 when targeting Henderson in coverage last year for 332 yards. So he's not great in pass coverage. If the Hokies can find a way to make him a defender in pass coverage, I think that could be a place where you see some big plays happen because he did also let up three touchdowns. So that's a uh, Tyler Bowen, if you're listening, um, <laughs> maybe draw something up there. Uh, yeah. Again, just fundamentals, just play to win the game, play fast. You're going to win it. 
I'm confident that the Hokies are going to come out guns a-blazing this one. I have 38-10. to 10. That's right around the game total. I think the difference in this game, what really sparks it to be a bit of a blowout, is a non-offensive touchdown from the Hokies. Dorian Strong dropped an easy pick six last year that would have basically sealed the game, put the Hokies up three scores, dropped it. Uh, I think he comes up with a big play. Tucker Holloway, a lot of talk about him and maybe Jalen Lane as well as a punt slash kick returner. So I think the Hokies get a non-offensive touchdown to really open this game up and they take care of business. So you have 38 to 10. I went with 42 to 17. Um, I got to tell you one more thing. I'm just really excited to watch our defense. I've been really high on our defense all offseason. Um, really, really excited for game two of Coach uh, of Coach Marv dialing it up. So uh, we'll shift over to letters from the lunch pail now. We only have two. First one comes from Mike Holmes. He says, what level of performance is required for Hokie Nation to firmly get behind Grant Wells? That's the first half of the question. Uh, also, how short is the leash if a bad performance does happen? Reminds me of another quarterback for, quarterback named Grant from West Virginia who was hot and cold, Grant Knoll. I'll, I'll, I'll give my take here. I'm not sure that there is a level of performance that he can have unless he throws for seven touchdowns and 500 yards and doesn't turn the ball over at all for Hokie nation to firmly get behind Grant Wells. Um, my opinion is what I need to see from Grant Wells is just command, take care of the football. And that's really it. I have been in the camp of pro Grant Wells, because if you take everything that he did at Marshall and you combine that with, he comes to Virginia tech, he has a, um, I don't want to be offensive, but but it was just not a talented offensive unit last year. And again, I, I'll keep singing the same song. If you're blaming all of the badness that was the offense last year on Grant Wells, you're not paying attention. That's a ridiculous conclusion to draw. So I don't think that there's anything he can do to get Hokie Nation firmly behind him. I can say from my standpoint, take care of the football and handle business. What's probably going to happen I can already, I'm closing my eyes and I'm putting myself in section five and I'm thinking about this. If the Hokies come out and they go three and out, they're, it's either going to be boo birds or it's going to be all that murmur, 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 that kind of murmur that you hear. Um, and that's going to drive me crazy. So I, I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I think that's, that's what you got to ask for. Take care of the football and um, show some command. I'm interested to see how we use Kyron drones, but to me, I, I would just say if he comes out and you got a three and out out of the gate, there's a reason he was named the starter. They have three months of camp to make that decision. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I, I think if you don't want to really put numbers on that, because if Tech's winning games, I don't think they really care. I mean. Tech has had a lot of wins with some pretty poor quarterback play, um, in, including by some of our best quarterbacks in, in program history. Like Tyrod had some really ugly games at Tech 1. I, I think it's really just about, like you said, playing winning football and leading the team. If it looks like he's in control, that's a really good thing because his arm talent is so great that as long as he doesn't screw up, he's a really good quarterback. Like we saw that at Marshall – I don't want to read too much into the spring game, but you saw in the spring game, his, his arm is pretty insane. He looks so, so much more confident in yeah. the spring game. Like, like I, I'm with you. I'm less, I am less fired up about his box score as I was his body language in the spring game. The body language was what I needed to see from Grant Wells. And that was what impressed me. I don't say, well, he threw for more yards. He did it. I'm just talking about watching his body language on the field, off the field. He looked like a guy who didn't get jumped into a new system when the entire team was jumped into a new system and he had a much better receiving core. So, you know, that, that's what, that was it for me. Yep. Limit, limit turnovers, limit sacks, get the ball to your playmakers. Uh, I don't, I don't need him to be Caleb Williams. I don't need him to be Drake may. Uh, he can, like you said in the, in the preview pod, blonde, Michael Brewer would Ron, be great. <laughs> Michael Brewer would be fantastic. And I think that people are going to get on me for this comp, but he's the only one that I can really compare him to both in his pro career and his uh, college career is again, 
he's the type of guy who at Marshall threw for 3,500 yards, but also threw nine picks. He's going to take shots. What we can't have is three and out and fumbles at just t- if he takes care of the ball 30% more than he did last year and the receiving group is different is better. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a solid, I think he'll have a solid year. Also got to catch the ball. Uh, two you, of the, you, yes. Two of the interceptions last year were, were balls that hit the hands of the wide receiver in the ODU game. So got to have that as well. Question for you, Sam, what, what is your expectation for what this two quarterback system is going to look like? And again, this is all guessing because because we really have no idea. Um, I I'd be curious if this is a situation where I, I'll actually not say curious. I would be worried if this was a situation where it's scripted, where one guy gets the first the first series and the second guy gets the second series. I'm curious how this is being thought of right now and how it'll be handled in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of two quarterback because of all the the intangible things I think it brings to the game. But I I think there's a world where if it's fourth and short and you want to go for it, I'd rather have Kyron Drones in there. I mean, all offseason, they've raved about this guy's strength and athleticism and you know his willpower and how good of an athlete he is. And he's a he's a real football player, he's not just a quarterback. Those are all great things. We haven't heard them speak about his actual ability to throw the football very much. Um, or seen it. Or seen it. I mean, the you know, this is a guy who's under 50% as a high school senior completion percentage. I mean, that's a long time ago. So take that with a, a whole tablespoon of salt. But, you know, I think there are moments where I would rather have him back there than Grant Wells. People are saying, oh, you don't want him to be back there just to run one package. I, I mean... Maybe in some cases you do. Maybe you do want to just line up and QB power the ball. I mean, Quincy Patterson beat UNC doing that, almost beat Notre Dame on the road doing that. If he's really big and really fast, I I don't see a reason to try to make him throw the ball 20 plus times. So I think it'll be very, very situational. Um, I also think you could see a really good poker face from Brent Pry right here. I don't know if he's a poker player, but... That's this is exactly what I would say if I wanted my opponents uh, getting ready for a running quarterback. Well, I would say you know leather jacket and listens to Almond Brothers. I would say he's probably, <laughs> he's probably a, heck of a, a game of poker or two in his life. Um, next question we have. Good question, Mike Holmes. Good question. I, I think coming away from that, my message honestly is let's not react off of the first three plays of the 2023 football season. Um, that, that would be my message. I know everyone's going to do it. If the, if the first drive results in anything other than a touchdown, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna hear it. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. Similar question here from our guy, Pete McGee. Uh, he says, what is your outlook on the season if tech doesn't cover? So I'll go down the same road that I go down every time we do the exercise of what games do I think we're going to win? How many games do I think we're going to win? It's such a fool's errand that I love going on. I-, I love going on that errand. But, I mean, if you just look at college football over this past week, are people at USC really going to, like, reevaluate their expectations after they gave up 28 points to San Jose State? Maybe. Uh, I wouldn't if I was a USC fan. Are Notre Dame fans now thinking that they're going to absolutely – you know, go undefeated this year. A lot of them probably are, but they should go ahead and refamiliarize themselves with their schedule. But they looked really good. So this is the first game of the season. I'm hoping that Tech comes out and, and has some mojo and plays really well. But as Virginia Tech fans, you can go back and you can look at performances early in the year where we blew people out and then had a horrible year. We beat Ohio State and then lose to ECU the next week. Or we lose to JMU and then win 10 games. I mean, to put so much into that when it's the first game of the season with so many new faces and a second-year coaching staff, I'm, again, less concerned at how the box score looks as I am how the team holistically looks. Does that mean that I'm going to be satisfied if we win the game by three points? Absolutely not. But... I'm not going to reevaluate everything barring a 
ludicrous, ludicrous outcome because it still is the first game. It still is a lot. Of, it, it still is for a lot of the players that are on Virginia Tech's first time playing in maroon and orange. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that's something to definitely take with a grain of salt. So my, so my outlook on the season right now is I think this team is talented enough to compete to go to a bowl game. I think that this is a great opportunity to showcase the program, the environment, and get one back that we shouldn't need to get back, but we do. And um, and that's that. That's what it boils down to for me. Yeah, and to, to speak a little more poignantly to like the actual question of minus 16, minus 15 and a half, whatever, I think there's a world where Tech wins this game really comfortably and doesn't cover. Like This game could be... 31 to 10 late in the fourth quarter ODU scores a late touchdown when tech has, you know, young guys, freshmen, backup players, whatever in they cover the spread. Like, so I'm not really, you know, it's not binary win loss against the spread, whether I'm happy or not. I think it is about controlling the game. If Virginia tech is the better team for four quarters, I don't really care what the score is. Um, I would like to score over 30. I mean, this is not a great defense. I think if Virginia tech has if, if any game on the schedule has shutout single digit point potential for this defense, it's this game. So those are things that we could see that we would like to see, but I'm not going to leave lane stadium upset. If Virginia tech wins the game, like I'm going to be ecstatic. So um, I think that's a better question for like maybe some games down, maybe a game like Florida state. I think that's a better question of, Oh, can you hang in the game? Whether you beat a team by two or three scores. Like I don't, I don't think Virginia tech, I don't look at Virginia tech very differently, whether they win this game by 14 or whether they win this game by 17 or 21. So that does it for the old dominion um, preview. We have a couple of other things that we wanted to touch on Pete. Thank you for the question. Um, Sam, I have appreciated your dialogue on this with me. I have appreciated people who I don't know personally's dialogue on this. And that is early on in my podcasting career, I would call basically takes that I didn't like members of the peanut gallery. And for the 2023 season, we are sunsetting that. I have said it a couple of times that what makes this fan base very, very special is that people care. And I never want to poo-poo on the fact that we have a school that cares because there are plenty of schools out there that don't care, and that's not what I want. I want Lane Stadium to always look like what it looks like on the YouTube stream behind Sam's face. And that's what makes our fan base special. So it has been sunsetted for comments that I do not like. That was a foolish thing that I had done. It does not mean that I will not do it if things are said without statistical backing, things are said that are absolutely ridiculous. But one of the disclaimers that I want to put out this year is this. We have had nine months to give takes, give opinions, give thoughts, say so-and-so is bad, and we're going to be bad if he's bad, saying so-and-so ain't it, so-and-so shouldn't be on the team. So-and-so is not talented enough to be on this team. There is no chance that we beat X team. I have been saving a lot of receipts with Twitter blue. You're able to put them in little folders. And one of the things that I cannot stand is there, there is a difference between saying something that wasn't true before. And then reevaluating and coming back out and saying upon further discussion and upon further evidence, we now know that this is true or untrue. Now, If you are out there and you are saying so-and-so sucks, he shouldn't be here, and then all of a sudden we're playing well, and then it's, oh, well, of course he's playing well. You saw this a lot. Josh Pate talked about about this in the Notre Dame game where everybody was like, I don't know. This game's going to be close. Navy's going to keep it close. You should bet Navy in the points. Notre Dame wins by 39 points, and everybody's like, well, of course they won by 39 points. They're playing Navy. So I will be calling this kind of activity out. So be aware. Get your takes out there. The season starts in a few days. That is my that is my only message. Uh, buyer beware, because I um, I'm keeping some receipts this year, uh, and you all should keep receipts on me. I encourage you to do that. Well, I'll certainly do that, Billy Ray. I will say, like last year, I think was maybe 
after the old Dominion game and after the NC State game was maybe the most mad I've ever been post-sporting event in my life. And I'm a Browns fan, and I saw 1-32 in 32 happen, or 1-31 <laughs> happen. So keep that in perspective. I've seen a lot of losing football in my days as a fan. Um, but I do think last year, and hopefully it gave us some good perspective so that we can enjoy what we do see this year, yeah. because it will be better. It will be markedly better. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the good plays understand that bad plays are going to happen because one thing that I've really, really appreciated about Brent Pry, and I'm sure the guys in the locker room have as well. He's really honest. Mm-hmm. He's, he's told the media multiple times. Well, we just weren't that talented last year. Like we didn't have the dudes and you know, you see that on, on the baseball diamond with Virginia tech coach, John chef is very blunt about that stuff. He'll tell you, Hey, they're better than us or Hey, we're better than them. We need to play better. I think Brent Pry has a little bit of that in him too. And I really appreciate that. So when he says, Hey, we're more talented than we were last year, we're a better team. We have higher expectations. Uh, I think he really means that. And so enjoy the the good things that do come and then just take the bad plays in stride because there will be bad plays. There will be bad plays in the first quarter of this game. I promise you that. So uh, for me personally and for the fan base, let's just enjoy it because there's a whole lot of special things around Virginia Tech that that don't happen in the 60 minutes of football. Enjoy those things as well. Very, very eloquently said, Sam. You put it much better than I did. Um, let's do some week zero observations. Before we do that, um, I do just want to say we were going to talk about conference realignment. Um, that call has been postponed due to the tragedy that happened at North Carolina. Our thoughts and prayers are with the North Carolina community. Um, horrible, horrible event happened at, uh, UNC Chapel Hill. So, um, we're going to table the conference realignment, uh, conversation for later. Um, but we will talk about some week zero observations just off the cuff. Um, not a lot of research, just kind of like I watched the game and this is what happened. The first one I want to say is I feel like we got duped with this game moving faster with the out of bounds rule. So the actual football game was quicker. Every quarter that ended in the Notre Dame game, I was like, wow, this is first quarter's over already. Okay, second quarter, it's already halftime. But the game lasted just as long. It was still a three and a half hour football game. So what does that mean? That means that college football is fooling with you and they are shortening the game and you have more timeouts and you have more commercials. We get more Chris Paul selling progressive. We get more flow from progressive. I'm not sure why I'm doubling down on progressive. It's the only one that I could think of right now, but it seems that the game is moving faster, but we are still sitting in our chairs for the same amount of time. So yeah, I think I saw in week zero, it was like one and a half less possessions per team per game. I think that could do a lot with you had Navy playing in week zero. Um, but I, yeah, I get the idea of the rule. I'm not sure it's actually going to make too much of a difference in terms of TV windows, which was, I think the biggest thing that fans had was there was way too much overlap between TV windows I don't think this will really fix it because the the networks basically then just sold more ad space. Uh, We'll see when we have a bigger sample size. I think, though, it makes the beginning of games a lot more important because you're guaranteed those first, you know, 10 possessions. You're not guaranteed possessions 11, 12, and 13 that we usually see in college football. So it makes the beginning of the games very important. Teams who win the first quarter, I bet will have a much better win percentage than they did last year. Well, don't hold me to that, but that's my initial thought. Uh, other other observation coming from our friends at West. I, I was so excited. I was so excited to watch USC San Jose State, especially when the Vanderbilt game had got delayed. And cover your kids' ears. The Pac-12 is such a bullshit fest that I can't even get the Pac-12. And if I call up Leapfrog Television to get the Pac-12, they put you on hold. It is it is such a clown, cartoon-ran organization over on the West Coast. It is, how can I not get the number six team on my television like it's 1950 live, playing the opening game when there are six other games on? 
I, 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 I do not understand well, how, well, how this is not figured out. That's why they're done. I mean, that, they, that is they, why they're they done. They made you up think? a whole network and you can't watch it anywhere. <sighs> I mean, they even have trouble out west watching it. It's not really a regional thing. I think it's I had a very no trouble watching cable package. I had no trouble watching ACC Network when I lived in California, when I lived in Colorado, when I lived in Arizona. But I'm here in New Jersey, and I can't watch the number six team in the country play when there are only other five other games on. Unbelievable. Actually, yeah, it's completely right. believable. But and it's it's bad for college football because Caleb Williams is not only the best player must in see the TV. country, one of the yeah he's must see TV, and you know I think having him be under the Pac-12 umbrella. Conference realignment sucks, but things like this are are the reason that those uh, Pac-12 programs decided that they needed to move on. The leadership and the, the contracts that they were in just just were a huge detriment to their program and to their fans. I mean, USC has a global fan base. Imagine being a diehard USC fan and not being able to watch your team's opening game when you're a top 10 team. Last thing, and I, it, it would be cruel of me to ask you to come on this podcast do all this amazing research and not give you the opportunity to talk about this unbelievable football game that get we get to watch on thursday night we have nothing else to do the game is happening in salt lake city i've said it before the people watching from the mormons in the streets to the florida people flying out to salt lake city uh, I've, I've said it a million times to the college football casuals out there. Utah football is a big boy program. They are a punch you in the mouth program. I love their coach. I love their quarterback. I love their tradition. I love them as a dark horse for the college football playoff. And on the flip side of that, I think a lot of people are sleeping on coach Napier. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Florida as well. Uh, it, it, it is must see TV. So, Sam, I'll I'll just let you give a, a quick preview for this game on Thursday night. Yeah, well, I will also shamelessly plug the um, the the metrics I created had Utah as the top home field advantage in college football. Statistically, they have the top home field advantage by a significant margin. When you look at against the spread, margin of victory, uh, quality of uh, quality of wins versus similar opponents, home versus road, Utah blows every team in the country out of water. They sell out every game. They have done so for decades. Uh, also, it's pretty high altitude, which is tough. Go, uh, I'm not sure what the altitude of Gainesville, Florida is, but going from Gainesville, Florida to Salt Lake City to play a high-intensity game cannot be easy. So that plays a part of it as well. Like you said, I mean, Utah is a, a big-boy program. They put players in the NFL. They recruit decently, not at a high rate, but pretty well. Cam Rising is really fun. They have a stable of running backs that could start anywhere in the country outside of Alabama and Georgia, probably um, they're, they're really fun to watch. I think it's going to be a fun game. Hopefully cam rising is healthy, but th the crowd in Salt Lake city is going to be great. College football is back, not half baked. It's completely back this week. Virginia tech taking on old dominion. For those of you keeping track at home, UVA plays Tennessee. That's going to be a bloodbath. That's at noon on ABC. Um, aside from that, keep your eyes on sonsofsaturday.com as the revamp and reinvigoration, the rebaptism of content is coming out to you. What a weird word I just threw out there, but that's all coming back at you. And, um, Pat and I, Pat is on his way back from Ireland, Paris, Croatia, somewhere over there. Um, he's on his way back. We'll be doing another podcast before the game comes out on saturday and we are back in the swing of it looking forward to it sam you're a gentleman you're a scholar you did an incredible job and um make sure you catch sam on all of the amazing things going on at sons of saturday locks of saturday monday morning football and his fantastic new ken palm sam palm uh analytics that have come out i'll have to come up with a better name for it i promise i will do that we will update it during the year uh, Billy Ray, it's been a pleasure. I talk to you all the time, so I will talk to you later. Reach out to you and say.